0: And you get a lot of marketing people that don't know how to speak English anymore. They speak marketing. This is that marketing podcast,
1: made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of that marketing podcast, brought to you by Spotler UK. Today we're talking about user generated content or UGC with the help of Lorraine Ball. After spending too many years in corporate America, Lorraine said goodbye to the bureaucracy, the glass ceilings, and the bad coffee and channeled her passion and experience in helping small business owners succeed. She's an entrepreneur, an author, professional speaker, and host of another weekly marketing podcast, which we think you'll like. More than a few words, which you can find wherever you're listening to this podcast today. She's also the founder of the Digital Toolbox Club, helping business owners use internet marketing to grow. In the episode, we talk a lot about the different kinds of user-generated content that are out there, how you go about asking for it, and whether in this case there needs to be any kind of editorial input from the marketing team or whether you can just let it run wild. I hope you enjoy and happy marketing. Well, Lorraine, first of all, thank you very much for coming on the podcast to talk
0: to us about user-generated content. My pleasure. It is so nice to be here.
1: So when we were talking about this, when we were planning this episode, my first reaction was when I think of user-generated content, UGC if you like the acronym, I immediately think of pictures of people using your product that you put on social but there's actually a lot more to it than that isn't there?
0: Well absolutely and don't get me wrong, love me a good picture, even better I love me a good video if somebody you know photographs them, you know videos themselves, all of that is fabulous but when you think about user-generated content in only those terms, you're really missing out on just tons of other possibilities. You're missing out on reviews and contests and source material and all sorts of ways to get your audience engaged.
1: Yeah, I suppose case studies that they, as soon as you think about it, you go, actually, yeah, they are they are user-generated. But I think because your marketing team kind of, I mean, speaking from experience, our marketing would obviously have a bit, a, a bit of creative input into how the how a, a case study is kind of packaged up. Obviously, obviously the, the material does come direct from the customer in, in whatever format they want, but then the marketing team kind of ord- organises it might be the fairest way. So I suppose that's maybe done, maybe I'm taking user generated a bit too easily. And I, I like that you mentioned contests on there because that was going to be my first thing. The, the selling point of UGC is that it's, organic that it comes from that it, that it comes from your audience rather than rather than just for your marketing team pushing out content and so what does that mean for how you go about getting it can you just send an email to all your customers and say hey guys can you share some photos of us on Instagram please
0: well I think you have to kind of step back a little bit and think about why people participate when you send them information for user-generated content. And the first thing is you have to remember that social media is about ego. We all get on social media because we want to be noticed. We want to be acknowledged. You know, when you put up a picture of yourself and nobody comments, you feel bad. And then you put up another picture and people tell you you look great or it's funny, and so. As a marketer, what you need to do is you need to tap into that ego. You need to not just, hey, put up a picture on Instagram. You have to give people that reason that taps into their ego hey, we're collecting pictures and we're going to share the best pictures. We're going to use the best pictures in our advertising. Um, we're going to invite the people who take the best picture to come to a special event for Best Picture Takers. And so now you're playing to the ego. And so now you've kind of got my attention. Um, I'll give you a really good example Um uh american football is a big deal in america and the super bowl is the biggest deal of the big deal and the city that gets the super bowl um it not only is it bragging rights it is financially a huge thing as all these people come in and so indianapolis had built this new stadium and they had made a run at getting the uh the game and Didn't get it the first year, got it the second year, and they're like, okay, we're not New York, we're not Chicago, we're going to do it differently. They reached out to, at the time, it was the 46th Super Bowl, they reached out to 46 of the most active social media people in the city across platforms. They called us the Social 46. They gave us a name. And you were in that group. They invited us in, and they gave us matching scarves. (laughs) They took pictures of us that we and then we shared on social media and they didn't pay us anything. All they said is all we want you to do during the Super Bowl weekend is just talk about what's happening in Indianapolis and tag it with Social 46. Everywhere you looked and, and at that time, I think Twitter was much, much more active as a local event platform. But everywhere you looked on social media, we were popping up. And so what happened was other people started using that same hashtag. They wanted to be associated with the cool kids. They, (laughs) you know, and and so this was free. And they got 46 of the most active social media people in the community to do nothing but tweet about Super Bowl for. and, And I'm not even really a football fan. But it didn't matter. I'm a um, uh, I mean, I'm a uh, I'm a fan of my city. And so there I was.
1: I suppose it's obviously it's probably better if you're not a football fan because it looks less constructed. Is obviously a tricky word to use yeah. for that kind of campaign. But yeah, you're reaching people that like if, if you're if you're following, I don't know, Levy on Bell or whoever else on Twitter, mm-hmm. you're already a football fan that your audience are going to be people that wouldn't necessarily put the Super Bowl on. But then actually you reach out to them, you get that.
0: Yeah, and it was a lot. And it was a lot of, hey, when you're not watching the game, here's my favorite restaurant. Hey, there's nothing going on yet for Super Bowl festivities, but this museum is open. Did you bring your kids? Go over here. Have you checked out our zoo? And so it was this massive campaign and it was all driven and so now I'll go back and answer your question <laughs> and kind of a long way I, I don't forget hmm. um it, you know part of it is yes do an email do it on social media um if it, in this particular instance um if you really want a big push pay attention to the people who are already engaged with you and simply reinforce what they're doing. This is a fabulous picture by Mary Jones. Our tuna fish sandwich has never looked this good. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Five people are going to line up to show you that they can take a better picture of the tuna fish sandwich.
1: Yeah, if it all comes out like, what's in it for you? A little bit, going to get into. Yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> In, in that case, is I mean, you've also got the angle there of much lower cost to do it, whether that whether that would hold true for a B2B audience is something that we'll definitely have to explore. But do you think that user-generated content is universally better than internally written stuff? And if it is or isn't, how do you, how do you balance the two, especially in, in terms of just what you're sending out to your audience in terms of sharing things, how do you get that balance right?
0: So I think, um, in a way, it's like the difference between PR and advertising. In adver- and, and a good business needs both public relations and advertising. With public relations, the organic, it's great because it's coming from someone else. Someone else is um, saying great things about you. The problem with PR and organic content is You can't control the message. You can't control the timing. Conversely, if you've got something really important that you want to say and you want it to come out exactly the way you want it, when you want it, then you go to advertising. You go to your internal marketing messages designed to deliver exactly what you want to say. So the two have to live side by side. They have very different purposes. Now, one of the benefits of organic or user-generated content is the ability to really listen to your customer's voice and they will say things that maybe you can't say. i think this applies equally well to b2b and b2c my example is going to be b2c but then i'm going to give you a kind of how it works in b2b there was a movie that came out maybe eight or nine years ago called the fault in our stars and it was a huge huge hit among the um uh the adolescent teenage girl okay that was that was the audience for this movie what they did in the promo is they, it was based on a book, and so they reached out on social media through channels that were going to reach that teenage girl, a lot of Tumblr stuff at that time, and they're like, send us pictures of what's on your bulletin board, send us photographs of little notes you've written yourself about how you feel about these things. And the opening credits of the YouTube video that promoted the the movie was a slow pan across all of these notes and scraps of paper and just authentic. There is no way that a 30-year-old male Hollywood executive could ever Ever have come up with that. It just it 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 organically isn't in his soul. And so he had the wisdom to go, aha, this movie is about them. Let's give them the content. So now let's switch to B2B. And you're like, well, I'm a businessman, he's a businessman, we think the same. I gotta tell you, because I work with a lot of um in, in when I was running the agency, we were selling to a lot of business owners. That were not on the same path, and they were not necessarily um, as comfortable with social media and with technology. And you get a lot of marketing people that don't know how to speak English anymore. They speak marketing. And it's, <laughs> and, it's and it's and it's it's close. It, it's sort of like if you think about American English, and then you've got Australian English and English English which you guys probably think is the original, whatever.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll save that argument for another time. <laughs> okay, but,
0: you know, whatever. Uh, you, you know, you, you, but, but, but we <laughs> each have our own and they're slightly different. And most of the time we understand each other. But you start talking about a jumper and I got to tell you, I think it's a dress. OK, you think it's a jacket. I think it's a dress. You talk about a boot. I'm looking for something to put on my foot. You're um, opening up the trunk of your car. OK, I got yeah. it. Marketing is kind of like that. You start talking about, uh, you know, USGs and you talk about, you know, um, personas. And the average business owner who is your customer, who you want to buy from you, is looking at you going, boot? (laughs) And so by getting your customers, even in B2B, to share their stories in case studies or testimonials. You're getting a level of authenticity that will resonate with the rest of your customers.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know if this will make this will make it in, but there's there's a music video it that did it really well. I don't know if you know about Post Secret, this website where you can send in anonymous messages. hmm And they, they I think they just do it as like a non-profit support thing. But there's a band called the All American Rejects that did use their that use loads of those in one of their videos, and that was really cool. I think that was i think it's exactly what you're talking about
0: because it's real because it is um it i'm sitting there going they didn't make that up somebody said that
1: yeah. you can you can i thought yeah the language point is a really good because you you kind of have a sense of how people especially if it's your people for in mm-hmm. terms of being like you know how you would be like there's you know there's things that you'd never say there's mm-hmm. like but I mean, also having children has taught me a lot about the way that I speak because <laughs> the, the the phrases that they pick up on that my, my son I came in from work it was it was last week and I said to my son, "Oh, how was school day?" and he went, "Well, the thing is, I'm like that is your mother, absolutely." Like just think the inflection and the way she did it was like, and the little and the 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 facial expression. It was like that is. That is pure mum-generated content, right there. <laughs> just, just pick that up. Straight All right. You can, you can see where people get get all these things from. It's it's interesting, but it's also horrifying.
0: But but it, it, but it it's also but it's it's familiar, and 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 when you're not necessarily getting you reflected back at you, but when you're. You're in a room and everybody kind of uses the same language. You all feel comfortable. And that's what happens with marketing people. They hang out with other marketing people. And we we talk in this sort of English but not quite English language. And, yeah, it, it feels good when we're together, but our customers feel entirely alienated.
1: Right. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask was how much – of a, like a filtering or an oversight should there be because it, it kind of bounced off that authenticity thing again. But you know, if you just sort of open the floodgates to let anyone share a contact, go, oh, oh, I'm using Spotler to spam all my contacts with rubbish stuff. Like that's not, you know, the mention is not worth the the wrapping that it comes in. So how do you balance that?
0: So um, I uh. I think it varies depending on the platform that you're using. Um, we, uh, we've we run contests on Facebook where there are photos, where people are sharing the photos, but they're sharing them on their pages and they're tagging us. And that's fine. That's fine. Same thing with Instagram. Um, you want to stand upside down on your head, whatever you want to do, but it's on your feed. Oh yes, you've tagged us, but... We haven't necessarily endorsed you. And so as long as you can keep that line, you know what? People are going to do what they want to do anyway. I mean, and that's the thing like with reviews. Oh, but I don't want to encourage reviews. What if somebody says something bad? Well, if they say something bad, it's one of two things. A, there legitimately is a problem. You should know about it. And then you need to respond. And I can do an hour on how to handle just, you know, bad reviews. Or B, they're a troll and you ignore them. Uh, And and you just kind of go on from there. So um, I think if you're going to take the content and you're going to reshare it, you're going to put your logo, your brand, then you do filter. But grow up it's social media. You can't you can't filter. (laughs) You can't you can't control what other people say. It's kind of like a river. It's going to flow from the mountains to the sea the only thing you can do is put like little dams to direct it a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe get it to come over and water your crops. That's the best you're going to get.
1: <laughs> yeah. I suppose I know what you mean. Actually, that if, you, if you're shopping somewhere and you find a product with no negative reviews, you instantly go, hmm, mm. not sure about that one. But yeah. tell me that people pay more attention to four-star reviews than five-star reviews because five-star, you've kind of gone, bam, Yeah. If you give it four stars, you probably put a bit of thought into it. I I'm think doing. I
0: think there's that. I also think, um, uh, like, my husband is the classic example. He'll look at a place and go, oh, they've got a 4.8. Where are the negative reviews? Hmm. What he's looking for and what a lot of people are looking for when it comes to reviews is they're like, okay, everybody has a bad day. You have a server who spilled the soup on somebody. What are the complaints? Are they things? Are they legitimate? Are they trolls? Because people are smarter than you think. Um, You know, uh, we had a complaint that somebody said, well, they only had fish on the menu. And I'm like, it's a fish restaurant. What did you expect? But (laughs) okay. But the other thing they're looking for is, is, you know, are the complaints legitimate? And then how do you handle it? Because I'm sitting there going, okay. One out of 100 was a bad review. So I've got a 99% chance of of having a good experience. But look at that. If I have a bad experience, do they make me feel like crap? Or do they, they, hey, we're really sorry. Let's talk about it. Give me a buzz. Here's my cell phone number. Let's talk. You know, let's see what we can do. And oh, look, two, two clicks down, there's a, wow, I was so knocked out by your response to my issue. That's what people are really looking for.
1: The engagement and the return. Yes, again, we we talk about that a lot for social media posts. Where, mm-hmm. That you should that it is a two way conversation on the billboard. But yeah, that makes sense to treat, treat reviews in exactly the same way.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I and I'm going to give you a little bit of a plug for your automation tools here with user generated content. One of the challenges is that it starts to feel a little bit stale, and the burden falls on the writers when you've got all this cool stuff coming in from other people and you start peppering that in your automated responses. Hey, have you tried our new software product? Here's what Mary said. Did you know that companies can use this product for this? Here are two case studies that our clients have written. How hard is it to write that introduction and how amazing is the real story behind it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the one. One of the biggest patterns I've noticed is that, our, well, when we kind of, when we reach out with, with case studies, they do they get a noticeably higher engagement rate already. So uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. We've got the uh, the proof to back that one up. That's um mm. cool. I think that's a really good point to to wrap it up. And I think we've done a done a quick blast through user generated content, how to use it, why it's a bit broader than you think, and why everyone should get started. So brilliant. Thank you very much.
0: Awesome. My
1: pleasure. Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. Maybe leave us a review. If you can think of a topic that you you'd like us to cover, or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic uh, you can reach us at marketingteam at spotler.co.uk thanks once again and happy marketing